Amen. Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be back tonight. We're going to continue our Bible study. We started last week. If you missed last week, the introduction, uh, it is on Facebook. You can go back and watch it. I think it is worth uh, watching. It lays really the framework for what we're going to do. Uh, our Bible study is entitled, How-Tos on the Highway to Heaven. Last week I said it is uh, a Bible study uh, that I believe is very relevant, that I believe is very timely, following the truth that for believers and as believers, God has a plan for us from the point that we put our faith in Jesus Christ until the point that we are with him uh, in heaven. And so the goal is not just to get saved. Sometimes we make people think that if you'll just get saved, if you'll trust Christ, uh, that's the goal. That's not the goal. That's not the finish line. Uh, that's, not, that's not where we, we, we wrap up. But instead, that is rather where we start. And so you do trust Christ. Uh, you do put your faith in Christ. And that is where you begin your walk uh, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the starting place. Um, we actually call that gap life. Now, there is a point between when you get saved and when you're going to spend eternity with uh, Christ in heaven, and, and the gap is what we live uh, our lives. Well, God has a plan, and he gives us a direction in life. I started off by last week by saying uh, what we're going to talk about is not normal. In fact, uh, some of the things we're going to talk about uh, the answer that we're going to see in Scripture is not normal. It is rejected. Uh, the world can't stand it. But when I think about normal, I ask the question, well, how's that working for you? And so if you're here and you're tired of normal, uh, look around. Normal is a mess. Normal is a wreck. If you're tired of normal, uh, this is a Bible study for you. I'm very excited about it, uh, it the potential that it holds. Uh, last week, let me just give you a very quick recap. We, we started with my favorite part of last week, and, and that is this, this basic understanding. Is God's word truth? Basic understanding. Is God's word truth given by the creator? These are the words of God given by the creator with the wisdom behind creation. Now, we need to think about that and be very careful, very very slow in thinking about that. Is God's word truth given by the creator with the wisdom behind creation? Now, what that, what that means is if he made us, it is his wisdom and his power that, that he made us, then doesn't he have the wisdom to know the best way to live? Doesn't that just make sense? Uh, think about that. If, if you and I were to invent something, uh, whatever that were to be, if you were to invent a gadget, if you were to invent a, an automobile, a thing, um, wouldn't you know its purpose as the inventor? Wouldn't you know how it best worked? You know what? If you'll do this, if you'll turn this on, if you'll do these things first, wouldn't you know what would cause it to mess up? If you do this, it's not going to end right, right. It's not going to end well for you. Well, that just makes sense. As the inventor, uh, you would have the wisdom behind that thing. Well, God is our creator. These are his words, so doesn't it just make sense that he's going to know the best way for us to live? And so we're going to see God in his word gives us direction in the best way to live. Here's, here's something, I, and for sure I'm glad our, our youth are with us. Um, you do not have to go and figure this out. Sometimes you think, well, i gotta go, I got to go figure all the things out. Or we might say, you know, you, you've got to go make a lot of mistakes, you got to go do the things that we did that we regret, and you'll learn in those things. 
You don't go have, to, have to go make all the mistakes. You don't have to go crash into all the walls to figure out where the boundaries are. God's Word directs us in the best way to live. Is God's Word the truth given to us by the Creator with the wisdom behind creation? What an awesome thing. Yes, it is. He gives us in His Word the best way to live. We're going to talk about some great subjects. Uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to read. You have a book um, that, that's back there. If you need one, if you didn't get one, we'll have some uh, after our time together. Um, and I would encourage you, I'm going to teach the lesson, and then you'll read the chapter behind the lesson after you get it. So tonight, I'm going to teach the first chapter, and then you'll have the first chapter to read this week. And I ask that you'd stay with us uh, as we pass through the, the little book. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about some tremendous things. Uh, we're going to talk about loneliness. We're going to talk about depression and anxiety. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're going to talk about how do you know God's will? How do you actually say, you know what, this is what God is leading. Uh, Twelve subjects, they're going to be tremendous, uh, and we're, and we're going to start tonight looking at each of these chapters. Well, where do we start? It would make sense that we would just start at the beginning. And so tonight we're going to start at the beginning. Now, the analogy of the book and it flows all the way through it, is the analogy of a road. Uh, our lesson tonight, I entitled, The Broad and Narrow Road. Listen very carefully to that. The Broad and Narrow Road. We're going we're gonna to have two focal verses tonight. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, this is Jesus. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking here. Uh, the verses will be on the screen. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, I'm going to read those two verses to you again. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. All right, watch this. And this is, this is my, I've got two favorite parts to tonight's lesson. This is the first thing. It is a very profound thing. Now, I want you to watch and, and, and pay attention to this. We are on a road. We are on a road. Now, uh, I think most of us suppose that we're going to come up to a crossroad and we're going to, sitting at this crossroad, we come up and there's a road going one way and another road going another way. We're going to make a choice between different directions. We're going to make a choice between which road we follow. Uh, we have this idea that we are neutral in the process. We're neutral in the pursuit. And so here we are, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy and I'm neutral. And I come up to a road and there's a road over here going this way and there's a road going this way. And I'm going to make a choice about which road I'm going to follow. Well, here's the truth. And this is profound. There is only one road and it is the same road. Now listen very carefully. Hear that. Don't misunderstand that. There is only one road, and it is the same road. 
However, there are two directions on that road. Now watch the picture. We are either on that road and we are traveling away from God. We are traveling in sin. We are carrying the guilt of sin and we are following Satan. So you're on a road and you're traveling in your sin and you're carrying the guilt and the shame of that sin and you're following Satan. That's one direction. Or we are turned and we're following God. We're in Christ and through Christ walking with Christ. And I, I think uh, we think, well, here I come and I approach, approach the road and I'm neutral and I'm gonna decide which direction to go. I think most of us would say, no, I'm a pretty good person. I, I'm doing okay. I'm a decent person. But you know what? There's a decision. I see that. But maybe I'm not ready to make it right now. Maybe I'm going to wait till I'm a little bit older. You know what? I'll wait till I'm in my 30s. I'll wait till I have a spouse. I don't want to make that decision right now. That's a heavy decision. Why would I want to concern myself with heavy things right now? Or you know what? I'm, I'm making a living. I'm raising kids. And so I'm not going to worry about that decision. I want you to understand this. That's not how it works. You're on a road, and you're either traveling one direction, or you're already traveling the other direction. I think that's a great picture. I think that's a great thing to understand. Uh, we, we are sinners. That is our nature. And here, here where you sit tonight, you're either going away from God, traveling away from God, and you're traveling in your sin and carrying the guilt of your sin, and you're following Satan, or you're walking with Christ and in the power of Christ, going in the direction of Christ. There's one road, and there's two directions on the one road, and you are traveling one of those directions. You see, I think we let folks off easy if we say, you know what, well, we'll just wait to some other time. Well, you're okay. You know, just kind of sit here for a little bit. And, and when there's an age when, when things become a crisis to you or some terrible thing happens, then you'll make a decision. Listen, where you sit tonight, you're traveling either away from Christ in sin, carrying the guilt of your sin, or you're walking with Christ, traveling in the direction of Christ. There, are, there is one road, and there are two directions on that road. Now, let me show you something else. There's, there's a couple of pretty tremendous things about this road. So understand this. There is one road. You're traveling on that road right now. You're not waiting to get on. You're not seeing what, what a later time is going to bring. You're either traveling away from God or you're traveling in Christ. One road, two directions, Here's the, here's the second thing I want to show you about this same road. This road looks different depending on which way you're traveling. Now, that's, that's pretty crazy. Go out, go out and pick Wilbarger Street. Uh, pick a different road. Pick 287 or, or I-20, I-40. Pick a road, and you stand on it and look this way. And you know what? There's different things. There's maybe different stores or, or different trees, landmarks. But it doesn't look that different from when you look this way. And you look over this way, and it's, you know, where I'm at, I'm in the same place. And, and no, it's not the same things in front of me, but, it's, but it appears to be the same road. Well, this road, it's one road. There's two directions, but it also looks differently. It looks different depending on which way you're traveling. Now, let me, let me show you this. In one way, if you're traveling that way, 
It is a wide road. That's what the Bible says. That's what Matthew 7 says. It is a broad road. And the Bible says, and many are traveling on that road. And so if I'm on this road, and just picture, here's the road. And if I'm on the road, and I'm traveling on the road, and, and, and I'm going that way, there's, there's a wide road, and everybody's on the road, and we're heading that direction. And that's what it looks if I'm facing that way. But on the exact same road, if I were to turn around, it is a narrow road. It is a small road. And the Bible says, and few are those who even find it. And so look over here. This is this way. And I'm on the same road and I'm traveling that way. And you know what? It's a big road and there's cars all over it and everybody's moving that direction. The exact same road. I'm on the road and maybe I'm up here. Maybe I'm back here on the exact same road. But when I turn around, guess what happens? It's a different view. Narrow is the road. Turn around. Broad is the road. Turn around. Make a decision. Turn around. Narrow is the road. There's one road, there's two directions. You're either moving away from God in your sin or you're moving with Christ in the direction of Christ in the empowerment of Christ. There's two directions on the one road. Also, there's a different view. If you're going this way, it is wide, it is broad. Many of the folks traveling on it, if you're going this way, it is narrow, it is small, and few are those who even find it. Now, let me tell you this about the, the broad way. The wide way. Here's the thing about that way. It is attractive. If that's the road you're traveling, it's attractive. It is fun. Now listen, at least for a little while, it's fun to travel on that road. There wouldn't be that many cars if it, was, if it, if it wasn't fun for a season. By the definition that Christ gives us, by what Jesus gives us in Matthew 7, it is the popular road. Now watch, all the way through our lessons, the popular choice doesn't mean it's the right choice. The popular choice doesn't mean it's the best way to go. And we'll say, you know what? Man, the smart folks are on this road. The fun folks are on this road. All the folks I respect, they're on this road. It is actually the popular road. Here's this. It is the accepted road. Do you know that, that little narrow road is not accepted? Some people say, well, that's crazy. That's, that's ludicrous. That's a superstition. That, that's insane to travel that way. It looks like everybody's going this way, at least all the smart folks, the ones that are having a good time. It is an accepted thing to travel on the broad road. Let me tell you something else about the broad road. It's easy to travel. You know what? The Bible says uh, our nature, we're sinners. By nature, we go that way. It's easy to say, you know what? I'm not going to grind myself up. I'm not going to get too concerned. It is easy to go with the flow on the broad road. It is attractive. It is fun. It is popular. It is accepted. It is easy. Here's something else that I've noticed about that road. People like it when you travel that road with them. You ever notice that? People, people say, you know what? Get in with us. Hey, we're going this way. People like it. People encourage it. They're glad for you to go that way. They don't say, hey, hold on, there's a different road. You maybe ought to think about that. They say, come on, we're going this way. People like it when you travel that road. There's great pressure, peer pressure, for us to travel that road. And so there is one road with two directions, and you're traveling on it, and, and there's one road and it has two views, depending on where you turn around. It's narrow that way and it's broad that way. Same road. 
And the call on the road is to see the need to change directions on the road. Why would we change directions? Hey, everybody's going that way. Hey, it's easy. It's my nature. It's popular. Why would we change directions? There's, there's a couple of reasons you'd change directions. Number one, that you'd be right with God, that you'd be reconciled with the holy God, that you'd have fellowship with God. Another reason you'd change directions on the road is that you would have eternal life, abundant life, peace in life, life that does not end. There's another reason, and sometimes we're scared to say it, it's that we would have God's blessing in life. Listen, yes, we want to walk with Christ in fellowship. We want to be reunited with our holy God in fellowship. But do you know there's great blessing in traveling with Christ? I don't think we say that. I think we say it's going to be bad. It's going to be drudgery. Man, all your fun. You're going to lose all your fun. You're going to lose it. And we don't actually say this. Did you know it's the best way to travel? Did you know there's no drama on that road? There's no chaos on that road? You know what? There's less jealousy and backstabbing on that road. There's less trouble on that road. And it is actually the best way to travel. You know what? I don't have to worry. Are my sins going to catch up with me? I don't have to worry about all these things. It is actually the best way to travel. Traveling that way, God's blessings rest upon you. God's blessings travel with you. Well, doesn't that sound crazy? No, that's the truth. God can't bless a person traveling in sin. God's blessings go with us when we walk with him. Now, I'm going to say this over and over. I've already been saying it over and over for a few months, but I'm going to say it over and over throughout this study. Did you know this actually is the best way to live? It's the best way to treat people. It's the best way to run a church. It's the best way to order your house. It's the best way to set up your marriage. It's the best way to raise kids. It's the best way to handle your finances. This actually is the best way to live. And I'm gonna keep saying that. This is the best way to live. You wanna know the best way to live? You don't have to go search and scramble. God's word directs us truly in the best way to live. Walking with Christ is the best way to live. Now let me, let me show you something else about this road. Because you are on a road, and you are, and because you're already traveling on that road, to not decide is to already have made a decision. Well, I'm weighing it out. Well, I'm going to do that later. To wait, to continue, to put it off, to not worry about it, is to reject God, to travel in sin, and to turn your back on Jesus Christ. Well, dadgum, that's hard, isn't it? Well, I didn't know it was like that. I, I thought I was just waiting until I had my wild oats sown, or I was waiting until, you know what, I was ready to make that decision. You no, know I'm not at that place. To not make a decision is to already have made a decision. If you're traveling on the road, now listen, you're on the road, two directions, you're traveling on the road, to not decide is to have already made a decision. And so I, I meet folks and they say, you know what, well, I'm waiting to have better information. I'm waiting until I'm more mature. I'm waiting until things get right. You know what? To not make a decision is to have already made a decision. To not decide is to decide and you continue on your way. Well, I thought I was just neutral. No, you're walking away from God. I thought I was just doing my own thing and it wasn't a big deal. No, you're rejecting 
the truth of God's word in our Savior, Jesus Christ. To not decide is to already have made a decision. I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to make a, an illustration here with a little game. Emily Osnick, will you come up here for a second? All right, I'm going to make a good deal. This is, your, this is a good day for you. She was looking for a good day. This is $1, a real dollar. That's a, that's a dollar. That'll get you something somewhere. That is $1. And here's what you can do. You can do nothing. You can do nothing. And you can keep that dollar. It's real, and you didn't have it when you walked up on the stage. And so that's a pretty, good, that's a pretty cool deal. Or you can take what's in this envelope. You can take what's in this envelope. And so you can keep that envelope and might not do a thing. Or you can choose this envelope. And I'm going I'm to let you decide. You're going to keep that? Safe choice. Safe choice. All right. She's not making a decision. Guess what? To not make a decision is to make a decision. She's going to keep her daughter. All right. Good job. Let me pick somebody else. <laughs> Rosa, come here. I'm going to make you the same deal. This is a good day for you. Here's $1. That is a real dollar. That is a dollar. You can keep that dollar or you can choose what is in this envelope. You're going to choose? Oh, yeah. All right, go ahead and open it. Oh, like surprise. Oh, yeah. Ooh, $5, Emily Osnick. $5. $5. Good job. Good job. No, that's yours. To not decide is to decide. If you don't make a decision, to not decide is to decide. Kaylin, you want to play? All right, come on. This is a good day for you. Good day. You've seen how this goes down. Here is $1. That is a real dollar. That is worth something. That'll buy you something. Or you can have what is in this envelope. You want the envelope. Let me open it for you. Okay. You hold that until I open it. Actually, let me get that first. <laughs> you may, may slap me. Oh, no. She decided. She made a decision. And there is $10 in here, but I printed it on the photocopier. <laughs> Yes, she decided. I'm going to do one more person. Carrie. <laughs> we need a dollar, I promise you. Here is one dollar. I got it out of your purse this morning. <laughs> I figured that all this money came yes. out of mine. Yes. yes. That is one dollar. That is real. That is worth something. You can keep that dollar or you can trade for what is in this. 
Ah. All right, she's going to trade. She's going to trade. Let me show you what's in this envelope. In this envelope, let me read it to you. It says, this is not a gift certificate for a steak dinner. It is, it is a random picture of a steak dinner. If it were a gift certificate for a steak dinner, it would be worth $45. But since it's just a picture of a steak dinner, it is worthless. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> to not decide is to decide. Now, let me, let me tell you, that's a, that's a fair analogy. It's not a perfect analogy. Here's the difference. The difference is God does not surprise us. He's not going to pull the carpet and say, hey, you, you got the fake prize. Your prize is not real. In fact, he is very deliberate in saying it is infinitely better to choose this. And so you know what? There's one road going in two directions. You are on the road traveling in a direction. You're either traveling away from God or you're traveling in Christ, with Christ, in the direction of Christ. To not choose means you've made a choice and you're going to continue rejecting God, traveling away from our Savior, Jesus Christ. God's not going to surprise us. So let me, let me ask the question, and, and here's the point to the lesson. So how do you turn? You know what? I, I, I see the value in turning. I see my sin. I see the guilt of my sin. I see eternal life. How do I turn? How do I turn and go that direction? There's only one way to turn, and it's not in church attendance. It is not in baptism. It's not in a feeling, I feel like I turned. It's not in a, a confirmation. Hey, I went through some classes and did this thing. There's only one way to turn, and that is to trust Jesus Christ for your salvation. Now, let me, let me explain that. I don't know what brought you to this Bible study. And, and maybe you just thought, well, I'd like to do another Bible study. Maybe that's why you came. But maybe you heard me talk about, we're going to talk about a week on depression. And you go, you know what, I, I, I've been dealing with that, and I want to know what the Bible says. Or maybe anxiety, or maybe loneliness, or knowing God's will. I would like to know God's will. I would walk in it if I knew it. I don't know what brought you here. But none of those things are going to get right. None of those things are going to have an answer if we do not settle this first thing. And so there's some folks that are traveling, and they keep hitting the same wall, and they're wondering why I can't get an answer, and they're wondering why this doesn't work out. And maybe the potential, the possibility is they haven't settled this first thing. And let me just tell you this. Nothing else will get settled until this first thing is settled, and that is to turn your direction and go with Christ in the power of Christ in the direction of Christ. Let me, let me tell you what that means. There is a biblical word, and I think it's perfect how it ties into our analogy. It means, it, it is, the word is to repent, to repent. Um, John the Baptist, remember when he comes and his job is to make the way for the Savior. He's going to come and he's going to introduce Christ. And I thought about that. How in the world do you introduce Christ? What does he do? He calls people to repent. 
He says sin is sin and sin is wrong and you need help for your sin. And he calls people to repent. How do you prepare a world for a savior? You call them to repent. Jesus comes and he says, repent. The message of the New Testament is to repent. Well, let me tell you, in the original language, in in the uh, literal translation, to repent, listen to this, means to turn. That's what it means, to turn. So so look at this analogy. You're going this way. Now listen, you're not standing there waiting for a direction. You're going a direction. And and if you haven't made a decision, you're walking away from God. And and the Bible says that we are to repent. Now here's something interesting about repentance. It's not just to turn away from something. It is to turn to something. And so it's not to just say, I'm going this way and decided to go this way. It is to turn away from this thing and it's to turn to this thing. So repentance for us is to turn away from sin and to turn to a person the person of Jesus Christ. Now go with me. I'm going to walk us through this. It is a decision that you make to turn, to repent, to turn away from that and to turn to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say this because I think it's important for the picture of us standing at a crossroads. That decision is not going to be made in the absence of sin. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? I'm going to not be bogged down in sin and I'm going to weigh it out and I'm going to figure out which direction to go. That decision will be made as a sinner. The Bible says, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You will make that decision caught up in sin, stewing in sin, suffering the consequences for sin. And it's in that decision, not free from sin, but in sin that you'll make the decision. Now, what does that mean? It means this. As a sinner, you are drowning in a river of your own making, sin. You're, you're, you're perishing. The Bible says we're perishing and we will perish in our sin. You're, you're, you're succumbing, you're dying in your sin. And it's of your own making. One of the things that keeps people today from, from turning to Christ is we've made folks comfortable in their sin. And we, we've made sin not a big deal. And we say, you know what, well, it's because your mom and dad raised you that way. Well, it's because your environment, it was because you didn't have the chance that somebody else had. Well, it's because, you know what, well, you just didn't have the right information. And we make folks comfortable in sin. In sin, you're suffering the the, the guilt of your sin, the shame of your sin. You're perishing in your sin. And guess what? Who's responsible for your sin? You are. We live in a day that says, I didn't do it. They did it. Somebody else did it. I'm not responsible for it. You're drowning in a river of your own making. You're stewing in your own consequence. You're stewing in sin. You know what you need for that? You need a Savior. We try to save ourselves, which there's a couple ways. I'll just quit sinning maybe as much. I'll do better. I'll go to church. I'll memorize verses. I'll do some things. I'll be baptized. We try and make a remedy for our own sin. You know what? It doesn't work. We need a Savior. Stewing, drowning, perishing in your own sin of your own making, you need a Savior. Now, here's the thing about our Savior. The Savior has to be able to save and has to be willing to save. God is holy. We have a creator God. He is holy. Bible says when we sin, when we decide to to volitionally sin, 
We've, break, we've broken our relationship with the holy God. There is a punishment to that. The Bible says it is death. It's our second death. We're going to be separated from God now in our sin. If we die in that state, we'll be separated from God for all eternity. There is a penalty of punishment for sin. Here's the first thing. You know what? We have to understand I sinned. We have to assume responsibility for sin. Well, here's the good news of our gospel. God sees our state. He sees our helplessness, and he sends his only begotten son. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He comes as the remedy, the Savior for sin. We're sinners. We have a punishment due of us. We're suffering and dying. We will die permanently in that sin. He sends our Savior, Jesus. He lives a life and never sins. Why does that matter? Some folks say there's movies that say, well, he sinned. He did things like we did he never sins. That's the testimony of his own word. Because he never sins, he's able to pay the penalty for sinners. Had he sinned, he'd have paid his own penalty. He never sins, so he's able to pay our penalty. He has to be a man to save mankind, to save men. He never sins, able to pay the penalty for sinners. He has to be God. He's the Son of God, fully God, and able to defeat death, to stand sinless, as the victor, the, 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 the risen lamb of God. So is he able to save? Yes, Jesus is able to save. Is he willing to save? The Bible says he goes to the cross. He pays our penalty. You know what? He's willing to save. Why? Because God loves the world. Here's what happens on the cross. He goes and he takes the shame for sin. He takes the guilt of sin, God's anger and wrath and punishment towards sin, and he satisfies it in himself. They nail him to the cross. Why do they do that? It's because he's paying the penalty for sin. We have crosses, we have jewelry, we have things we hang up, and we, we talk about the cross. The reason for the cross, Jesus goes, he pays the penalty for sinners. He's nailed to the cross, he's paying your penalty for sin. He's gonna die our death, the penalty's death, he's gonna pay it on the cross of Calvary. He dies our death. He actually physically dies, literally historically dies. They take him off of that cross and they place him in a grave. He's in the grave, he's dead. The penalty for, for sin is death, he's dead. They put him in that grave three days later, what we call Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of the grave and he's alive. And he has paid the penalty, he's defeated death, he stands as the sacrificial lamb, he stands as the risen lamb of God. The penalty is paid. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's the, the, the hinge point of our good news. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're perishing in our sin. It's not because you got good, you didn't. It's not because you earned it, you couldn't. He loves us so much, he pays our penalty on the cross of Calvary. But God demonstrates his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you something. I believe those things are facts. I believe we have a creator God. I look around when I see creation. I know there's a creator God. First time I held my kids, I know there's a creator God. You won't tell me any different. I know I have sinned, and I've understood the fact that I chose. I did it. Nobody's responsibility but myself. I know God's word says I've earned a punishment in doing that, and that penalty is death. I believe Jesus Christ was literally, actually, physically born. He lived a life of no sin, he goes to the cross and he pays my penalty. I believe they put him in the grave. I believe he was actually dead. 
I believe three days later he walks out of the grave and he is alive. I actually, literally, truly believe those things. Now here's the thing. So what does it mean to be saved? I believe those things are historical facts. 500 people see him on one certain occasion. I think there's many testimonies that he's alive. Those, I believe, are the historical facts. So what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean for us to turn? Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's our gospel. It says you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, our gospel, our, our Jesus as our Savior, the Bible says they will be saved. Here's the thing. When that happens, when you've trusted Christ, the Bible says you become the righteousness of Jesus. You put on his righteousness. Our, our record of wrongs is settled, forgiven in Jesus, and you are saved. Both of those verses say that. What does that mean? It means this. God's going to look at you, and he's going to ask you, you're perfect. And we're going to have to say, no, I, I'm not. And before we can get it out, he's going to say, you know what? By faith in my son, Jesus, all I see is the righteousness of, of, of your Lord, of our Savior, Jesus. Here's the thing. There has to be a point when you did that. And you know, we could talk about depression and we could talk about loneliness and we could talk about seeking God's will. We could talk about what, what the empowerment that we have available to us in the Holy Spirit of God. But I want to tell you this, if there's never been a day that you said, you know what, I understand I am a sinner and I did it. I understand there was a payment and I believe Christ paid it. And I believe that he actually literally physically stands as the risen Savior. If that day has never happened, none of this other stuff's going to get right. Our hope first is to trust our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. If you're here, nothing else is going to work until you've done that. Some folks might say, I'm not sure. Some folks might say, well, there was a vacation Bible school when I was in fourth grade, and I went down there, and I don't know what we really did. A bunch of kids did it, and I followed along with them. Some of them say, you know what? I made a decision when I was a young adult, and I'm not sure really what I understood at that point. Some folks will say, well, I've been doing some good things. I don't know. I, I, I was baptized in the church at a certain age. There has to be a day that you understand I am a sinner. My hope alone is in Jesus Christ, and you turn to him, trusting him for your salvation. I want, I want to just give the opportunity here tonight. If you've never done that, listen, settle that tonight. I say that all the time. If you've never done that, nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to make sense. You have no hope outside of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here and you'd say, no, I've never done that, I want to encourage you, take that step. Settle that tonight. Turn to Jesus. Trust him for your salvation. That's a big thing. All right? I want to go a few more steps further, and we're, we're going to be done here tonight. All right, so you have turned. There's one road going two directions. You're traveling on it. Either way, you're traveling on it. By not deciding, you're continuing in, in the way you were going. And you know what? By faith, you've turned. And in God's grace and in God's power, he has saved you. And that's the next thing that launches us forward. And that is this. Saved in the grace of God, saved in the power of God, guess what we get to do? We get to walk with Christ. We get to follow Jesus Christ. The Bible says in those two verses, 10.9 and 10.13, Jesus is our Lord. That word means he is our master. He sets the course. We submit to the course. 
Remember when he says, take up your cross and follow me. Remember when he calls the disciples? He goes down by the sea and says, follow me. And they drop their nets and they follow him. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, the next step is to walk with Jesus Christ, to travel, to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be sure and, and make sure you understand this. It is not a work, a walk that saves us. It is the fruit of being saved. And so you're not having to do the thing to be saved. You're saved, and so you would do the thing. And so there's this decision. Are you going to walk in obedience? Are you going to do what Christ says? Is he actually going to be the Lord? Or are you going to hold that off? The Bible says if you trusted him, he is the Lord, and you're going to submit to him as such. Will you walk with him? Will you submit to him? In the areas we're getting ready to talk about, here's the thing. Will you submit to those things? Will you submit to what his word says, what he says is the best thing? And then I'll just tell you the same thing I said at the start of our time together tonight. If you're fine with normal, this, this study's not for you. But if you've had enough hurt and heartache and trouble and garbage and drama and guilt and shame, if you've had enough of normal, then I want to tell you that he's going to tell us, you know what, turn now, you've put your faith in me, and walk with me. Trust me, let's travel together. I want to tell you the one last thing about this road. I told you there's two things that are my favorite thing. The first thing is that picture that you're on the road. And I, I think when I tell folks about Christ, uh, it's a good thing to be able to say, you're already on the road. Uh, you're not deciding if you're going to get on it. You're on it. You're just traveling away from Christ. I think that's a pretty awesome thing. That's, that's my second favorite thing. And I'm going to close with my first favorite thing about this lesson tonight, and that is this. Maybe some of you here tonight have entered the narrow way. You're on the broad way, and you know what? You trusted Christ. You saw the need to trust him for the forgiveness of sins, and you've turned around, and you've gotten on the narrow way, and you've trusted Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you here right now have trusted Jesus Christ, but you've become distracted, or you've become discouraged, or you have been tempted and you have fallen into sin. You've stumbled and you've, and you've entered into sin. Here's my favorite thing of this lesson tonight, and, and it is good news. There is a road, and it is a single road, and it is going in two directions, and you're traveling on that road. There is a road, and it looks different if you're going this way than it does this way. But let me tell you the good news about this road, and this is where we end. If that's talking about you, did you know there's no exits on this road? There's no exits on this road. And I don't care what your failure is. I don't care how many times you've failed. I don't, I don't care what your trouble is tonight. It doesn't mean that you've left the road. Do you know that's good news? It doesn't mean that you've gone back the other way and you're traveling on the broad road again. It doesn't mean that. There's no exits. Once you turn, there's no exits. Once you're saved, you've trusted him. It was in his grace and power. You continue on in his power. And so if you're here tonight and you'd say, no, I don't know how I got in this spot and I've gotten so distracted and I've gotten off course and I've entered into sin, maybe just in the way I think about things, I want to tell you this. The good news is this. You're not off the road. And there's not an exit off this road. And your answer is this. If you'll pick your eyes up and put them on Christ, 
You can push the gas again, and you can start moving. What a gracious Savior that is. What a gracious Lord that is. Whatever mess you're sitting in, you can put your eyes back up on our Savior, and you can push on the gas, and you can start moving with him again. What an awesome, gracious Savior we have. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a book, grab one on the way out. Uh, we're going to post this on Facebook. You can share it for some other folks to watch. Uh, and then I would encourage you not, not just to plan to be here. Go ahead and plan to be here next week, uh, but bring somebody with you next week as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I am so thankful that you tell us the truth. I'm so thankful that you give us your word to direct us. I'm so thankful that as a sinner, stewing, dying, perishing in my own sin, that I have a Savior. I'm so thankful that I can be forgiven. I'm so thankful that we can be restored. I'm so thankful that you tell us, invite us, call us to walk with you, and it's the best way to live. And then, Lord, I'm thankful that when we mess it up, when we've, we know you and we've trusted you, but we just, we just mess it up, we sin, we're tempted, that all we have to do is pick our eyes back up to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and go back to walking. Lord, I pray that we've been encouraged tonight. I pray that we've been taught tonight. I pray for somebody in this room, maybe a couple that don't know you, that tonight they have found you. I pray for some that, that aren't sure and it's not settled, that they would settle it tonight. And I pray as we move forward into the rest of this study, that it's with this squared away, settled because of your grace and your power. We love you. We thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad y'all are here tonight.